And now it's time for Cadaver Classics. Hello everybody, welcome to Cadaver Classics. I'm Mike, and with me as always is the infamous Steven. How's it going, my man? It's going well, my friend. How about yourself? Not bad. Uh, looking forward to a couple things coming up. We were just talking about Horror Hound. You know what? You know what? Here And here's this thing, too. Unless, I, I don't know, do you think I should wait to release this later? Because typically once we get something recorded, I want to get it out real quick. I was thinking I'm going to get this out by Horror Hound. It's Monday, and we're, I'm leaving on Thursday. Right. So... I th- I'm thinking that maybe that, that I, I try to get this out ASAP. What do you think? Yeah, well, the fuck not. I agree. Um, yeah, because knowing knowing you and I, the yeah. the consummate professionals that we are, we're, we'll both have our recording equipment. For the first time ever, we'll be together in the same place. Right. So we're bound to fucking do something for special for Horror Hound. So well, you know, and and I and I figure that too. I mean, I'm gonna probably come back. And I and I was just telling Stephen, I'm like, you know, I'll tell you what, I I'm just gonna go enjoy. Well, I guess I'll bring my recording stuff. With, which I <laughs> when I say recording stuff, I mean my my uh, one little mobile recorder. Mobile. Am I like a really old man for calling it a mobile recorder? That's weird. Or something. But uh, um, anyway. No, I, I figure we'll have, I'll have plenty of stuff to put up there. It's like a bonus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I think we're both going to try to take in the Vincent Price thing. Yes. So sure. that, that they'll definitely give us something to talk about. So, Absolutely. So, and there'll be, I'm sure, other things that will catch our attention that we'll feel the need to comment on. So, so yeah, let's just go ahead and rush this one out and... Uh, well, I'll rush it out, but the quality will still be cadaver classics worthy. Yeah, okay. so subpar. So, <laughs> at best. <laughs> at best. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, how, how you been, man? I've been good since uh, what Saturday? Saturday? <laughs> Two days ago. <laughs> We've been podcasting machines between between uh, this show, but today the Saturday. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, the douchecast. It's it's all just a blur, and um, and uh, just cut. I've, I've, I think I've released two Cadaver Lab episodes within the last couple of weeks. I've been a machine, man. Wow, I'm proud of you. Even Vaughn told me on the uh, before we started recording the douchecast that he's tired of hearing my voice. Good. You know that's what I want to do. If- all I want to do. It's not about entertaining. It's about making you so sick of my voice that if you ever meet me in person, you'll walk away. Not mess with me. I think most people would probably do that anyway. But I, I, well, I think the I've bonus. Been looking, is- I've, I've been trying. I've been working on my appearance, but but that doesn't seem to work all the time. So I'm figuring my voice. You know, I'll have the full package. Well, the bonus is anything that annoys the piss out of Vaughn. I'm all for. Uh-huh. So if you put out a podcast every day, I mean, if just fuck. You should just record just, your com- just, just you conversations know, you have at work. You are a bastard. <laughs> He's a cock. <laughs> Sweet man. So, uh, uh, I, I, I just, you know, we have, we don't do a lot of feedback on this, but I wanted to just mention a quick email we got from Steve at the Bone Bat. Yes, um, I both got this one, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. This is actually one of the greatest compliments that I've ever received in my life, and I'm going to read it in its entirety. Uh, Go Twenty for it. minutes of ball jokes. 
You two are geniuses. Gordon and I would probably <laughs> tap out at 10. I'm a mere neophyte in the shadow of your greatness, gentlemen. First of all, thank you. Second of all, I can't believe you ever doubted me. If anybody's going to be able to do ball jokes for that long, it's me and Steven. Absolutely. Okay. And, and oh, thank you so it, much. It may go 30 to 45 minutes tonight. Really? Really. Because we'll just have to see where the where the magic takes us. Well, you remember two douche casts ago? How we talked Barely. about how emotion, emotionally, yeah, emotionally stunned I was. Not only am I emotionally stunned, but I feel like I'm uh, sense of humor stunned, and I'm stuck like back in the eighth grade, where things like balls and farts and things like that still make me laugh and still can entertain me for hours upon end. So, if you wanted to throw down in a ball joke length contest, like a marathon. I th I feel like I would have the the uh, the upper hand on most people. I think so too because you are just a big ten year old. I agree. Okay. I, you say that, and the, my only response is uh, so. Yeah, I, mean, I know you are, but what am I? I'm rubber <laughs> your glue. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice man. So you got some for us? You got anything? Um, such as. I don't know. Are we, no, uh, not really. Do you have anything to talk about? Or, I mean, are we, are we getting right into I, I mean, that's we, all, we, That's all the business I have, man. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, we just talked two days ago. We got to work on our fucking schedule, space it out a little bit so that <laughs> events have a time to, like, unfold in between recording sessions. Right, exactly. You know, because should, I was the same right. Save this one for April. I'll, I'll release this the first of April, and then we'll record and release our, our the next one at the very end of May. So you know, we had an April one, we had a May one, but you know, they're two months apart. And then we'll be—that's I think that's what we do. And then in the ones where we're too close, we're just there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And and we had the same problem last month. We recorded within two days of the douche cast, and then then. I fucking dicked around and forgot to get him. Well, no, actually you said you were going to edit and then you forgot about it or whatever. And then oh, I was I just, like, yeah, well, I'll do it. Did. And then I forgot about it. So yeah, <laughs> what the fuck ever dude? Like this I is said, fucking free bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You're lucky. We get shit out at all. We're so fucking organized or unlucky. If mm. you're listening, take your pick. I'm not going to assume they're lucky. We might have a, are you kidding? Have you, have you heard, us do this like yes, show I thing, have. and that's why that's why I think that maybe we have a lot of masochists that that are actually out there. I think I think that all our downloads come from people who who feel like they, they you know just like the some of the, uh, the 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 priests in the movie we watched this week they they feel like they need to give themselves pain to uh, I don't know purge cleanse their souls. I think maybe a lot of people use that. Yeah, this show Jesus could very, this show could very well be penance for a lot of you, and I absolve you, each and every one of you. <laughs> now you just saying that go forth and such be such a blasphemy that they're going to have to have to listen to like thirty minutes of ball jokes. Well, guess what? We got it coming up, people. Oh yeah, you ready to do it? I'm ready. All right, it's time for ball talk, bitches. Spanning the globe to bring you the latest in testicular news. It's time. Or ball now, first off, before we even get started on the ball talk thing, I mean, this is ball related, but and then I'm going to go off on a rant and it's like, well, why the fuck uh -oh. didn't they hold this? All right. Okay. But anyway, so here's the deal. 
All right, our last ball talk was about the puffer fish. Yes. All right, and I was listening to the uh, some back episodes of Creepy Kitsch because I'd never okay. I'd never gotten to listen to it because they fucking misspelled the name, and it was like, and I know it's a joke, ladies, but unless you know what the joke is, you don't know what the joke is until you listen to the show. But you can't find the show because the fucking name's misspelled. <laughs> and the only thing worse than that is having some like obscure fucked up acronym for your domain name, like I don't know J A F M P. Right, right. right. <laughs> but anyway, I've really been enjoying the show. I mean, first off, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of everything I'm looking for. They're very funny, very entertaining. Uh, they find insights that I wouldn't come up with on my own because I don't pay too much attention. You don't atten- have a vagina? Well, it's not just that. And see, that's the thing. Like, one of my big beefs, I mean, the zombie girls... Uh, I love what they do, but you know, Matt over at Splattercast praising them as being the most innovative thing since vaginas themselves. And it's like that is a bold statement. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, well, no, gender does not equal creativity. I'm sorry. You know, they're doing their thing, and uh, I enjoy what they do, but it's it's not that fucking innovative because they have breasts and vaginas. <laughs> but listen, it, but, if, I had, but, if I had boobies. I'd be more apt to, to listen to me, but I'd also I, wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't also be, wouldn't be doing a show I, because I'd be busy playing with my fucking tits all day. No, you're dang right about that. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fucking looking for new things to do with my clitoris. <laughs> Sick. But but they they actually talk about things that I don't pick up on, like costume design and that kind of that kind of shit. They do a lot of art artistic type of. Uh, of um, uh, observations, uh, uh, because I know that uh, that Sins is is, is is very into the costuming and into art, and uh, Stace has her is doing her history degree, her degree in history, mm-hmm. and she, it's funny how she uses what she's got going on there to you know and relates it to her show. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And the and the other thing that makes it a great podcast is they they talked about me one episode. But, oh, yeah, what'd they say? I, I swear that I, I mean, they usually, whenever they mention anything about me or whatever, it's always like, hey, Mike, go look up the blue waffle. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. You're not going to trick me into doing that again. Yeah, I did. I, so. I fell for it. And. <laughs> well, what'd they have to say about you? Oh, they said I had a sexy voice. Ooh. So. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. I'm enormous. Leaf laddered. Um, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, a great fucking show that they're doing. Absolutely. But, but and this is puffer and pufferfish and ball talk related. Did you okay. know there was a sexual thing called the pufferfish, where you make a little incision oh, in your scrotum, stick the straw in, and no, blow I, it up I like heard a fucking about that balloon? On their show. Yes, and that, that's where I heard about it, that and I was like, that is fucking amazing. Cool. No, it's not. No, 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 no. It's where they cut a little thing in the in the nutsack and right. blow into it with the straw. Right. That's the worst thing I ever heard. That's because you haven't tried it yet, Mike. Dude. You're, I mean, okay. Not, but the thing, the, thing, the thing is with my balls, I ended up floating three counties away. <laughs> I had to let the air out slowly so I wouldn't, like, crash into earth, but... <laughs> <laughs> but but Dude. I thought it was interesting because we had just recorded that episode when I listened to that. We, and I was like, that, man, I wish I would have known about that when we recorded our segment because that is fucking amazing. Dude, we, 
Now, I don't want to get too personal here. Okay. But I think it's time. Um, Me and my wife, we've been happily married for 11 years, and we have three wonderful children. Um, So wonderful, in fact, that I decided to go out and get a vasectomy so we would never, ever, (laughs) ever, ever have any more. (laughs) Now, the recovery from that is the only thing I could think of when they were talking about that that uh, puffer fish or the, or the whatever they call that exactly. And I swear to you, my balls ached just listening to that because the recovery from that was not fun, dude. Oh, yeah. they they, they And they make it out like it's no big deal. Oh, you oh. just little tiny incision oh, and go in and do a little kind of bullshit. No, bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Dude, my, my balls almost rivaled Stevens in size at that point. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like I was walking out with a watermelon hanging between my legs. It was awful, and I can just imagine trying to do something like that for um, for uh, fun. I don't think so. Well, you know, it it it, it no, doesn't okay. sound like all that much fun. And and the reason I don't have a vasectomy is because they said they would have to go in with a pair of bolt cutters. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, we're not going to have that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and when they brought up the bolt cutters, and uh, they just, and you noticed that they just, they were still uh, all dirty from their last job. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was, that's a big infection risk. Yeah. yeah, tetanus is not pretty, especially tetanus of the balls. If that's a thing, I don't know. <laughs> tetanus of the balls. That is a great band name. Oh, man. We, that's what we are to call ourselves. Tetanus of the balls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll bring my guitar to Horror Hound with me. Oh, <laughs> sick. <laughs> we'll show oh, we'll show Kyle cool. Gas a thing or two. <laughs> hey Kyle, look at our tetanus of the balls. Nice. That would be excellent. <laughs> all right, but getting into ball talk now. Uh, wow. All right, are you ready? Yeah. Ready for the? I, I, you know, I love I, our, little, I love our British little, uh, listeners. I'm up on the pufferfish thing. Oh, that's oh god. <laughs> Bad news, dude. But that, anyway. that's how I ward off predators. <laughs> All right, I do not know what the fuck is wrong with our. I mean, I love our British friends and fans and listeners yeah, over there. Of course. But they are you are you ready? I'm ready. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this not the thing you told me a little earlier? Oh, no. this I, I don't think I've oh. told you about this one. Uh, well, I meant, I meant the thing about the, the aliens. Oh, no. That, that's not ball-related. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. I'm starting to cringe a little already. All right. This is from the Metro Web Reporter, March 17th. Woman bites off her boyfriend's testicles. Again? Uh, yeah, afraid so. Maria Georgina Top appeared in court accused of carrying out the gruesome attack on her, on her partner, Martin Douglas, which is said to have taken place in the early hours of the morning. Are you re- <laughs> and get this, following a drunken night out. No! <laughs> By the way, did Johnny T send you this? Uh, no, this is one I dug up on my own. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, you know, I wondered. No, no, no. Stay with me for a second here. You know how uh, people in uh, Great Britain all have kind of snaggly teeth. Yes, or, it's or the so bite I've heard. Falls off. Yeah, it's it's. I think Darwin it's like speculated. Yeah, it's like exactly. Yeah, it's uh, Darwin speculated that uh, this would be one of the. Uh, <laughs> 
a mutation that would help the British people survive in their environment. <laughs> Since they, requ- like, since they require balls in their mouths to get that <laughs> fucked up accent. It's like if we were... <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. How could I possibly forget? Yeah, okay. So I'm going to... Here, here's a little metaphor. Americans, we are the, 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 the... I don't know what. The great whites of sharks. Okay? Uh, we are... We just normal. You know? But, and, and, you know, we're all obese. So we're the big ones. But... Great Britain is the freaking what are those ones with like the saw coming off the front shark? Uh, that's them. Saw those sharks? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know, but that is them. You know, we're 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 the same family, but I I just can't relate. It's weird. I've only had to bite off balls one time, and that was for pleasure. Yeah, and here's the thing: don't drink and bite balls. You know, just once I would be because, because yeah, because I mean, you're just giving alcohol a bad name and <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't understand why all these people in Britain, the first thing these women do when they get drunk apparently is rip somebody's balls off. <laughs> and, and there's even mention about uh, the woman that uh, ripped her boyfriend's ball off and stuck in her mouth that we talked about yeah. on the, the, when we started this fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> she ended up with two and a half years, by the way, because there's a little footnote here about other ball ripping incidents in Great Britain. So, so okay, let that be a lesson to you people from uh, uh, England. If you put one in your mouth, it's two and a half years. If you put both, it's a clean five. Yeah, absolutely. So at least now that we've got like 2. a five per ball, we've got a ju- judicial yardstick here to go by, <laughs> and. But this this is unfucking believable. I don't understand what the fuck is going on over there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, shocking. I wish I could say it was shocking, but it's not. No. Not really. We're just used to that kind of... I mean, I don't want to get down on the Japanese while they're already down right, right now because right. they've had a rough week. Right. But I expect this shit from the Japanese. <laughs> well, if, if their movies are any... Uh, yeah, I mean, if you've seen the guinea pig movies... I don't and think that's being racist, or, or I don't think you're coming down on them at all. I just think that, God, their movies are freaking up. It just seems normal. Something like that would seem normal. Like in a go- Tokyo Gore Police, that would be like the, the the most average part of the whole movie. Oh, yeah, you've got the the entrails of a beautiful woman and oh, yeah. grotesque and all that. You know, yeah, I mean, I think you would think this shit goes on all the time over there. <laughs> But no, Great Britain is apparently the the world capital of testicle destruction. <laughs> but, that was uh, excellent. <laughs> and, and the other cousins of uh, Great Britain, uh, the Australians. Oh, right. Uh, are you ready for this? <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the, the British outcasts. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, what they're up to. Yeah. Testicle removal patient jailed for stalking surgeon. A uh, man from the Wide Bay region of southeast Queensland who believed a surgeon removed one of his testicles without consent has been sentenced to 12 months in jail for stalking it. Dude, you know what this reminds me of? This is one of those urban legends, you know, where uh, the, the kind of the, the, the story that goes, you know, some Give me back somebody, my ball. You know, where's my golden ball or something like that. Yeah. 
That's exactly That's the what first this is. thing I thought of when I read this. <laughs> and you, the only way they caught this guy is when they went, You got it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they actually caught him the at sh- the campfire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's freaking awesome. <laughs> Oh wow! What, well, first of all, do we know why he was a testicle was removed? Uh, no, it doesn't say anything about other than that. But, but uh, it seems like it was on the up and up. I mean, it was a doctor. It was, you know, it wasn't just like, like oh, uh, you want to get your your uh, your spleen removed? Okay, well, testicle, a testicle yeah, later. Because we've we've heard about that too sure. on this show, uh, where balls have been like whisked off. <laughs> by surgeons for Whisked no up. apparent reason. Well, it's, and obviously sold on the the black market for uh, for balls. I hear that if you don't prepare a testicle right, it could kill you. Oh wait, Absol- am I getting mixed up between ball talks? Anyway, no, I think th- I think that's actually true. <laughs> Dude, at, at, at the very least, it's a choking hazard. Well, only because only because the uh, the impulse to put them in your mouth is so strong, it's practically it's practically you just cannot not stick one in your mouth. Uh, apparently, if you're you know from Britain, <laughs> sure. But um, but yeah, this guy apparently stalked his surgeon for a year, and when they That's went to arrest real. him, they discovered a cache of firearms in the roof and buried in the backyard along with a quantity of strychnine and cyanide. Dude, you know what? Under certain circumstances, that would seem normal. Like, because some dude steals a ball of mine. Oh, yeah, you're you're going fucking gear for war. Exactly. So, but apparently he just intended to scare the surgeon, not uh, actually do, any, do him any harm. But here, here's the thing. This guy's going to jail for a year. Yeah. For stalking the guy that uh, allegedly stole his ball. What, what's that guy going to? His, what, what's he going to go to jail for stealing his ball? Yeah, exactly. That's like grand theft testicle. <laughs> you would think grand theft testy. That's going to be a video game. Wouldn't that make an awesome video game? You like run around town and you downtown London and rip off Dude, people's balls. <laughs> all I can picture is is a video game where Meatwad is flying around and he's the testicle. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is freaking great. <laughs> yeah, let's see. We got, uh, yeah, let's do one more. Uh, where, all right. Let's see where this one is. Oh, wow. this, this one's in Australia too. Oh, okay. Uh, man tasered for alleged testicle grab. Southwest police used a taser to subdue a 29-year-old man who allegedly grabbed a police officer's testicles during a scuffle outside a Bunbury night spot early on Saturday. Again, that seems completely reasonable to me. Absolutely. You touch my balls, you You get get tasered. That's... Exactly. (laughs) Yes, I... I, But the the thing I'd have to worry about, though, is, like, if somebody's got hold of my balls and I taser them... I, the I, yeah, is the, ele- yeah, is the current going to flow through into my fucking balls? Well, that that's a risk. I don't know if that's worth it. Yeah, you. Yeah, I, I would think a gun would be a more yeah, yeah a more appropriate mace. response. Mace. Well, I don't know because maybe that piss him off and he'd squeeze harder. Yeah, maybe guns the only way. Yeah, and and plus like Buffy may just like get your pants down and get hold of your balls, and then you mace him, and then you get that shit on your balls. 
pepper spray on your balls. I don't know if you oh, know this. I, I kind of stinks. Just salve out of the stuff they make pepper spray from and put it on my balls. I'll oh, do you. I, go to work. Yes. I, I grease up my taint with it. Ugh. <laughs> oh wow. That way I don't chafe. That's extreme. <laughs> that's extreme, dude. But but yeah, so I'm I'm kind of just kind of curious as to whether that was the the proper way to go about doing a ball grabber. <laughs> you know what? There's one thing in this in this lifetime. I hope that uh, the title that never describes me is ball grabber. Well, I guess it beats ball liquor, ball biter. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I take it back. Yeah. So. I, and from now on, that's what I'm going to call you is ball grabber. Uh, then I'll be like, you know what? Could be worse. <laughs> even though, even though I assume that, uh, that that's like a that's like a gateway uh, ball thing. It's kind of like the marijuana of ball activity. Because once you start <laughs> in with your ball grabbing, next thing is ball fondle, ball licking, ball choking, and all of a sudden you're British. Yeah, exactly. And no one wants to Don't be that. Nobody want to be British. No, that's. I, I guess I it could be. This. I guess it could be worse. You could be Australian. Oh where, yeah, where, that's where they point. kick you out of fucking Britain. <laughs> they kick you out of Britain, and uh, I can't. Yeah, you know, I can't imagine what what it takes to get kicked out of Great Britain after all these ball things. But uh, anyway, well, maybe that's how you get kicked out of Britain because they do have a different accent down oh, there. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe, maybe they they do. I, you don't like balls. I, you know, Off you I go, get on the boat. <laughs> get get on the boat. Put if you're caught with two nuts in your mouth, that's that's Australian. Oh, is that <laughs> the two nut accent? <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, we're classy. Oh, uh, we uh, we are. <laughs> yeah, you. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised CNN hasn't contacted us to uh, take the show to this segment of the show. I can't believe it's not syndicated for multiple outlets. Hey, yeah, maybe we need to start shopping it around. Hi, uh, uh, news. Uh, we've got a segment called Ball Talk that we want to see if you're interested in. You know, of course. You, you know, I, I, we, I, we'd have I, to I, hire a salesman because I, I would just crack up. I, I, I figured. Hey, I figure how that's how uh, Jane Fonda got Ted Turner in the first place. So he may be like you know a brother in arms when it comes to uh, testicle removal. Nice. Oh, that's good thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's what you pay me for. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You're you never disappoint. Of course, if you did, I'd withhold your pay. Yeah. Well. <sighs> but yeah, well, that's that's, a, that's all I've got for ball talk. That's all you've got for ball talk. He says. That's all I've got for ball talk. I think that's plenty. Yeah, uh, that's more than enough. Did we go 20? I haven't been paying attention to the time, so. I haven't either. Yeah, well. Well, listen, if that one, if the time wasn't there, the yeah, content was. That's right. It's it's quality over quantity. Exactly. Now, in, now I've been thinking that maybe, you know, us talking about balls is a, may, might be a bit sexist or something. Sure. So now it's time for boob talk. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, we're just talking about boobs does not make us sexist. I'm, I'm I'm okay with this. All right, are you are you ready for this? Because I just had to throw this in because it was so fucking bizarre, and of okay. course it's fucking the British again. Of course, baby Gaga breast milk ice cream confiscated over health fears. Whoa, 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 whoa! What? Baby Gaga ice cream. All right, baby Gaga. Don't tell me that this is. Ice cream made from breast milk. Ice cream made from breast milk. Uh, this It's somewhere in, it, yeah, it's in London. They pay lactating mothers 15 pounds for one third of a liter of breast milk. And then they make ice cream out of it. And uh, that this is awful. This flavor is, uh, I guess it has lemon zest in it. And it's called Baby Gaga. That is awful. <laughs> I mean, it is, that just sounded so fucking bizarre the, what is going on over there and apparently they sold out in the first day how now that is that's unbelievable and over 200 mothers have stepped forward to donate their breast milk for the ice cream but here's the thing there's this you should not be t- eating the bodily fluids of another person because you can get hepatitis so they've forced them to stop production on this yeah, that's a good rule of thumb anyway, but I guess... I, I would think so, yes. If Drink the liquid of a cow, but I mean... Well, you know. but it's all pasteurized and shit. I mean, well, you, you just mean, don't... I assume they would do that to uh, to the breast milk. Oh, no, they just hook the boobs up and it goes into the thing and... Oh, into, a churn, into a churn, I guess. I don't know, I'm just making this up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so any crack whore can come off the street and just start... Like... Well, exactly, I mean, because they're paying for it. They're just paying for women to come in and give them breast milk and it's hard All of a sudden I mean, you find yourself it, I don't know what this crack for no reason yeah i mean there's i don't know what the screening process is <laughs> no it it does say that they pasteurized the milk before it was sold okay. and they did screen the donors but but still that's i don't that's know that's just can't say i've never tasted breast milk <laughs> but I, I i i guess with lemon it would be okay <laughs> but then the ice cream parlor ran into another problem because Lady Gaga found out that they were sell- selling Baby Gaga ice cream and has sued. Really? Yes. Well, dude, Gaga, that's a baby. She took it. Uh, that's like what babies say. What, is she going to start suing every baby? Well, here, here's the... Doing baby talk? Yeah, and that was, that was one of the uh, things that the ice cream parlor came back with. Uh, uh-huh. Here's a quote from... Uh, I guess one of the owners for Lady Gaga to accuse us of stealing her image is laughable when you consider how much she has borrowed from popular culture to create her look and music. She also seems to have forgotten that since the dawn of time, the word Gaga has been one of the first discernible phrases to come from a baby's mouth. This is why we chose the name. As for her assertion that her product is distasteful, perhaps she should reflect on her blood-spurting performance at the MTV Music Awards <laughs> or the fact that she wears clothes fabricated from the flesh of dead animals. Oh, that's completely normal. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know what? I, but, but, I don't, but, I don't yeah, Lady Gaga calling fascination with her, by the way. Doesn't... I mean... I in. in I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I've never really heard any of her music that wasn't like somebody else singing it, like a jackass at work or something. But I've seen pictures of her, and I don't really find her that attractive. I mean, is that is that is that it's, is there more to her? I, I honestly don't know that much about her. I mean, I've heard her music because I have like children, mm-hmm. you know, that listen to pop music. 
But I mean, and it's, it's all right, I guess. I mean, it sounds like everything else on the radio. Right. Yeah. You know, it's all same top 40 bullshit, but you know, she does shit to fucking get attention and you know, like Madonna used to, I mean, right. you know, she just does bizarre shit to get attention. That's all the fuck it is. And it works, you know, it worked for Marilyn Manson. It worked for, you know, Alice Cooper before, but of course, Alice Cooper had some moniker of talent. Well, not to mention, uh, integrity and, uh, uh, he was unique and like you said, talented. Yes. But, but yeah, the Lady Gaga thing, I don't get it. I mean, but whatever, you know, but, you know, but, it, is, d- but I, no I did, Lady Gaga's balls talk. No, we, we, we were to talk about boobs and, uh, sure. And breast milk. Sure. Why not? They come from boobs. Yay. Boobs. Yay. Boobs. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And that's one thing when you get to horror hound, you have to remember the toast to tits. There you go. I'll I'll try to remember that. Oh, you'll hear it, I'm sure. Sweet. So, uh, wonder do we? Do, I wonder if we need to come up with new music for boob talk. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I that's I I think though, unlike balls, who maybe needs needs a little background music to keep people interested. I think once you say the word boobs, everybody is so attentive. Absolutely. That, that everything else goes out the door. At least that. At least I am. I was picturing all that. I was picturing the the baby Gaga plant with a bunch of ladies hooked up to those uh, <laughs> those lactating machines, you know, reading their their uh, Cosmo magazines and uh, fingering each other in the next seat. What? That actually, I'll be back. I'm gonna go get some ice cream. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> That was bad for even me, even us. Come on, yeah. Come on, Mike. Get my get my head. Out Actually, I, I found it pretty pretty tasteful. I'm sure. Yes. Yuck. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, sweet man, do you want to take a quick break and come back with a couple movies? Yeah, let's do it, my friend. We here at the Cadaver Lab Podcast take horror seriously. We'll tear your soul apart. Some people lose their faith because heaven shows them too little. How many people lose their faith because heaven shows them too much? You'll never grow old, Michael, and you'll never die. But you must be. Klaatu Verata. Maybe a game kicking balls or something. Hey, like that's that. cool, man. So Holy that's... damn it, I've got gingivitis. <laughs> it's kind of like a vampire boner. I would kill to be a tight leather suit. Everything you've ever learned about freestyle orifice probing, you learned from me. Oh, this definitely gets an all time. For more information, visit cadaverlab.com. Or search for us on iTunes. All right, we're back. Uh, today we've uh, chosen a couple of movies, uh, obviously classics. One, the first one we'll be talking about is called Eyes Without a Face from 1960. Uh, it's a black and white film that came from France. Uh, it was actually based on Jean Redon's novel. I, you know what? I, I, I mean, believe it or not, I'm guessing with that... Uh, with that accent. Who gives a fuck? It's French. It's it's French. France. Remember? remember? French. French. <laughs> French bread. <laughs> uh, actually, this was also known as Das Schrankens. Oh, wait, no. This is in Germany. The Das Schrankens House. This Dr. Rasenoff. Oh. I like German. You want to know why? Because everything sounds like F you. 
Yeah, that's uh, uh, <laughs> everything sounds like you're fucking choking to death. Yeah, I love it. Hey, that's that's where uh, that's where some of my uh, relatives are from. Anyway, uh, this was directed by uh, Georges, which I'm sure is Georges. Georges Franju. Franju. Uh, like I said, it was the novel's uh, Jean Redon. Uh, the adaptation was written by Pierre Boileau, Boileau and uh, basically, let's see, it starred Pierre Brasseur as Dr. Genesure. You think people ever actually, rec- when, when I mention these names, they actually know what I'm, or, or care what I'm talking about? Um, I know I don't. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I read these in, in, in you know, especially when we do uh, uh, old foreign films. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. I I sure wouldn't care. Yeah, but anyways, it, uh, yeah, because a lot of the times it's it's like okay, I'm never going to see these people or anything else. I mean, unless you get into like the Italian B movies where you see the same actors showing up over right. and over again. You know, yeah. honestly, I couldn't tell you a single fucking thing Pierre Bresser did. Yep. So. But yeah, so it, it started a bunch of people. <laughs> um. Uh, let's see. Let's go over yeah. the plot a little bit. Uh, well, basically, uh, the, the, the the movie starts out. There's a woman driving. She looks all nervous. She's uh, um, uh, kind of panicking as she's driving down. This, you know, this really it looks like a uh, out of the way road. And uh, but the one thing you notice when the, the movie first starts is the freaking awesome carnival esque music that's happening. Did you notice that? Oh yeah, yeah. The oh, soundtrack to this is very—I don't—I mean, it's very interesting music, but it, it can be distracting. Well, I'll tell you what. There were two—I mean, and not to get too far ahead of us, but there were two main pieces of music that I loved, and this is one of them because this was kind of the—you know—that shit was happening. Either she was hunting for people, or she was doing something like this, uh, where we find out that uh, she's actually driving along a riverbank, and she ends up uh, dumping a corpse—sorry, uh, a corpse—into the river, and uh, basically, you know, that—that's—that's that's the intro introduction to the movie. Uh, it turns out that. Uh, um, the, the cops find the body and they actually bring it in and they bring in a guy named Dr. Genesir, uh, to identify the body. And he says, yes, this is my daughter, Christiane. And, uh, because her face was horribly disfigured in an automobile accident that uh, occurred before, uh, you know, this scene was to take place. Uh, well, Dr. Genesor, he is kind of, you know, we, we get a little bit of background on, on him. Uh, he, you know, he does a big symposium where he's actually talking about, uh, something called heterografting, which, I mean, we all know that, uh, well, I guess I don't know. I I, I say we all know as if I like knew this, but uh, you know if you if you're going to you know take uh, a blood or some other kind of uh, you know skin graft or something like that, you apparently you need to take it from somebody who bio, you biologically match with. Now, do I know in what way they biologically match? No, I'm not exactly sure. Do you have any idea? Uh, no, I'm not a doctor. I just play yeah, one me, on this show. Yeah, you're you're the doctor of balls. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I. 
my mind is tainted because of Molotov. <laughs> anyway, problem. so but 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 Dr. Genesur is is trying to be has trying to perfect uh, something called heterografting, which means that you can do these transplants without being a biological match. And you know he's talking, and uh, you know he's really high on this, and the people who are attending this symposium are really high on it. Anyway, uh, we find out that Dr. Genesur lives at a large mansion, clear out in the boonies. Um, he has an actual uh, like office, doctor's office and clinic right, you know, right next on, on his the same piece of land. I mean, just on his it's like a home little whatever you call that. Um, anyway, we also find out that uh, the woman in the beginning of the movie was a woman named Louise, who is uh Basically, kind of his nurse and assistant. Uh, we're not exactly sure what goes on. Oh, and by the way, did I mention that when yeah, that he did say that this that the the dead body that they found was his daughter? I don't right. know if I mentioned he, that or not. Yeah, he did identify the body. Anyhow, so um, basically, what we find out is uh, uh, he lied to the cops. You, you know, and uh, and basically, what it was is. He has been hunting these women, or, or, or more uh, exactly, he's had Louise find these girls, find girls these you know with, with they have similar features as his daughter, who is we find out is still basically disfigured, and she actually wears a mask around the house, which is very you know devoid of emotion or any type of. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's just like a basically a white mask, and it's very creepy. But anyways, basically what he's trying to do is he's trying to send Louise out to find people who will he takes their face from and tries to put it on his daughter Christiane's face, and uh, uh, it's just kind of a weird thing. Now, Christiane. As a character is very interesting. She's, I mean, just to give you a physical description, she's very skinny and, and she she's very wafy. Is that if I say waif, do is that a word that only I use? Uh, since nineteen sixty eight, and Twiggy quit modeling, probably. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yes, <laughs> you know, she just has this very timid way of of uh, you know just. Just the way she holds herself is very timid, and, and uh, it's funny because the other piece of music that I love is kind of her theme music. You know, when when she's in the scene, or when you know when there are a couple of scenes where she's kind of we're learning about her. You know, not not she's not necessarily interacting with with anybody else. It's just kind of we get a chance to look into, you know, what she's going through, things like that. And basically, uh, you know, this music is playing, and I think it fits her to a T. And you know, those two pieces of music, this plus the hunting, quote unquote, shit's going down music, which is the carnival stuff, are the two pieces I really like. Yeah, predominantly those are the two pieces that are used everywhere in the movie. Well, and there was—I mean, there was other stuff to to kind of bridge the gaps between that. But no, I, but you're right. Yeah, there there you know two musical motifs there that are used over and over again and pretty effective. Well, so it turns out that uh, you know, I mean, I we don't need to—I don't think we need to get too detailed on this. But basically, um, we, you know, we go through this these scenes of you know, Louise brings home a woman who is new to the area. They abduct her. They, you know, they they take they take her face off in an actual, uh, pretty gruesome. I don't know. It, it, in my opinion, it was kind of a pretty gruesome uh, scene. 
You know, t- I mean, it was very, it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little bit before Texas Chainsaw Massacre was big, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, but, uh, yeah, it's a very, gr- it's very clinical, very, but at the same time, very gruesome. And uh, you got to give a uh, fucking shout out to Andrea Sola, who did the effects mm-hmm. for this movie. Um, yeah, wow. And there, there was a lot of stuff that they did that they didn't use just simply because it was too gruesome. And uh, if you oh, get the really? Criterion version of uh, this movie, there's some stills of like makeup, like test makeup that they did really? where her face was you know, deteriorating. And yeah. I mean, it, it's magnificent work, especially when you consider it was 1960. Wow. No, you know, and I, 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 I'm actually, I'd be interested to go back and check that out because I wasn't able to do that. But no, I mean, in my opinion, this it, this was a, a very gruesome scene. Well, you know, the thing is, is is uh, I, I, well, basically, what happens is is they put the face on her and they think it works, but it ends up not working. You know, it, the, it didn't. It, I guess the match ne- needed to be there, and the and the heterograph just didn't work, and so she ends up having to go back and put on a put on a, her mask again and whatever. But anyways, uh, and that's kind of how it, uh, how it played out. They went out and tried to get another girl for the test and, and whatnot anyway. But, uh, I don't know, man, I, as I was watching this for some reason, and I think it had to do a lot with the music and a lot with the, um, with just the way that, that, uh, the, I, I can't tell you if it was direction or if it was the way that the actors on screen, you know, portrayed their characters, but this, this was actually pretty disturbing to me. It's, it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly why or how, maybe it was because here you have Christiane, this wafy little innocent woman that that knows this is going on that, you know, that, 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 and he's just allowing it to happen. I don't know. What do you think? What's it? Friend you, the director, he had very specific things that he was going for because what, uh-huh. what happened was when he decided to adapt this, the producer said, you can't have blood. Oh, really? Because the French censors, you can't have animal cruelty because of the English censors and you can't have a mad scientist because of the German censors. Really? So he first off chose the right uh, screenwriters uh, okay. in Bulow and Narsejek, I believe is how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, they did uh, Vertigo and uh, Diabolique, so they they were used to doing the suspense kind of thing, and and together they'd written like dozens of crime novels. Mm-hmm. And that's what they really kind of turned this into was a crime story. And another thing that Frangie was very specific, very uh, meticulous about is the portrayal of uh, uh, Dr. Genis, or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. It, he wanted him to appear as normal as possible. And that's what well, he did. And, and that, and his way of looking at things was, you know, if somebody's batshit crazy, that's not as scary as somebody who is perfectly normal and uh, and does something completely batshit crazy, right? And and you know, we see this like throughout a lot of the movies we've talked about. You know, Norman Bates seems like a pretty nice guy. The Lodger seemed like a pretty nice guy. 
Carl Bain's portrayal in uh, Peeping Tom, you know, these these normal kind of guys, but yet they've got that obsession that fucking, you know, underneath the surface and then pushes them over the edge into doing these gruesome fucking things. So well, he, and one one thing that struck me, too, is uh, it it seemed like, well, OK, so in the beginning it was like, OK, well, he's trying. I mean, uh, it, the point comes up that he feels guilty because he was on some kind of a road rage thing and. And it was his fault for the for the, uh, uh, the the car wreck, you know. And and he was doing this to try to make up for for, in essence, being, you know, responsible for disfiguring his daughter. But after a while, it, he kind of got this cold attitude. Well, it, it, and he had this cold attitude the whole time, where it turned out that it just basically seemed like he was doing this because he just he, he was he was not only using. You know these these girls that he'd bring in as guinea pigs, but he's actually just using his daughter as a guinea pig as well. Right, and that, know, and so I thought I thought that was very cold and very non. You know that that that's not feeling. I mean that's just that's just cold, hard. You know I you do what you need to do to 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 learn this thing, regardless of the cost. Right. The the obsession eventually overpowered the guilt. So that the only thing that mattered was completing this experiment through to its its fruition, right? And and when this movie came to America, you know, one of the scenes they cut out was uh, the scene where he is tending to the little boy in the clinic. Because oh, really? and it, again, it goes back to you know, humanizing your killer. They thought that that made it seem they didn't want you to feel sympathy because they they felt it made it more horrifying. Well, yeah, because they just turned him into the regular doctor that you and I go see. Exactly. So, uh, Franju was really onto something here, you know, as far as his is the way he depicted the doctor, and of course, uh, the actor Pierre Brossard, I mean, did an amazing job with it. He was yeah, he just did. very stoic throughout the entire movie. Uh, Louise, she was fucking amazing, okay. and Christiane, given that m- most of her acting was done with her eyes. Right. I mean, they definitely picked the right actress. She had these amazing expressive eyes. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, that, and that's what you see of her throughout you know, 90% of the time she's on screen. Right. And it just, just fucking all these act, actors and actresses just knocked it out of the fucking park. You've well, got a brilliant you know, director. You, you mentioned Louise and – I think she was she was one of the creepiest to me because Louise was somebody who the doctor had helped and who had become uh, somewhat of a of a quote unquote true believer type of deal, you know where where she really believed in this doctor and you know would do what it takes regardless of what it takes, you know to to see him succeed because I think she felt that she owes him so much you know it's she I mean and, and like you were saying she was a very Seem, you know, she was, you know, she was a, an attractive older lady, you know, not like too older, but, you know, very warm. And, and it was her job to basically ensnare these, these young women. And when, when and, well, one of the things I noticed with her, I don't know if, if maybe it was my imagination, mm-hmm. but as we get towards the end of the movie, I mean, she seems to have aged like five years. You know, really? in, be- in between the failure of the second operation and the attempt to uh, abduct the next girl. Uh-huh. And by the end of the movie, she she looks fucking haggard and wore out. And, yeah. 
And I didn't know whether that was a conscious decision or whether it was just the lighting in the particular scenes. Right. But, you know, I didn't notice that, but I can, huh. I'd be interested to go back and check that out. Yeah. Her, her look seemed to take on a harsher tone as things became more desperate. So I, I, like I said, I don't know if that was conscious, but it's just something I picked up on and, and thought mm-hmm. it was interesting. Oh, but, okay. Well, you know, I don't know. But, uh, this is the first time I'd seen this movie and I didn't know really what to expect. And, you know, it's a French black and white subtitled, you know, film from, you know, 1960. Uh, however, I, this, I don't know what it was, but I'm to be honest with you. And I can't tell you exactly, exactly why or, or whatever, but I think that this was, that this movie, it, well, it was very engaging to me, but I think it was because it started off with that music in the scene and I mean, it. I, I was basically just into it the whole time. I mean, and this this is one that that I that I tip that that I. Well, you know how I watch movies. I typically watch a little bit here, a little bit there, but this one is just one I had to sit all the way through. I mean, and there there are a few of them out there like that, but but this one it just seemed to flow. I mean, there was never any point where where um, uh, that I. You know, especially in some of these older ones, there's a point where it kind of loses me for a little bit because of the slow pacing that I'm not used to or whatever. But I think that the only that I noticed that the only times when I consciously said, man, you know, that I thought, oh, this to me would be boring if it wasn't for for the music. And, and there was one scene in particular where Christiane was, you know, kind of uh, alone in her bedroom and, and kind of doing her thing. Mm-hmm. But. You know, and I, I mean, I even thought to myself, man, you know, this is without this music, I think that this would be the point where I would, you know, kind of it, it might start wearing on me a bit, but it didn't. And, uh, you know, I'm, I was actually very surprised. One of the things I noticed, like, for instance, it takes him forever when we first meet the doctor to get from the car upstairs. It it, right. it seems it almost seems like it takes forever. But at the same time, you do have the music in the background. You do have uh, amazing fucking set in this mansion that the everything most of the story takes place in. Absolutely. And the whole time you're just wondering what's waiting. So and then there's other times where, you know, he'll friend you will just, you know, cut straight from the you know, cut out all the shoe leather and go straight to the action. And I think it's, it's paced in such a way that, you know, even those scenes where things are progressing a little slower, you know, it's, there's that atmosphere there, that mood, that tension that keeps you fucking wondering what, where the fuck is he going? You know, what the fuck's behind the door, that kind of thing. Well, and especially when, with uh, Dr. Janice or how, how you after a while you just didn't know you know what he would do. I mean, and we haven't even mentioned that that, that he had been doing these tests on animals, uh, specifically dogs, you know, and, and things like that. And it's just like you know, kind of you, the more you get to know him, the the more of a monster he kind of seems like. And then all of a sudden they throw that uh, scene in you with, that you were talking about with the with the little boy. You know, it, it's just it's just bizarre, and he just became such an interesting character, and. Uh, you know, you just like you said, wondering, you know, what, what this guy's going to do. He's such a douche. Yeah, and, and there's so much visually going on. Like, for instance, uh, in the scene where he's first leaving the auditorium and the people, you know, he's greeting his, you know, the audience. Uh, 
Right. And then when he leaves, instead of panning back to like the audience talking about them, uh-huh. you know, he passes a mirror and the audience is reflected in that mirror. And instead of panning back over to the audience or cutting to them, they leave it on the mirror. And that's where the dialogue, to, you, you're given the dialogue with the audience. It's in the mirror. And, of course, mirrors play a huge part throughout this movie. Right. Yeah, the, or the lack, lack thereof. thereof. Exactly. So, I mean, it's it's visually, it's just a fucking stunning movie. And this is one that I was considered so disturbing that, you know, it was critically just tore to shreds when it came out. You know, that's interesting to hear because, I mean, I don't it, I don't think it was visually too bad. Um, and in fact, there was very little blood except for that one scene where they were taking that one girl's face off, um, and which was still done better than the uh, the uh, the one with Nicolas Cage and uh, Travolta. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> anyway, well, and <laughs> and th- that's actually been pointed to. Uh, there's a couple things in this movie that have been pointed to as like uh, inspirations for John Woo, especially at the end with all the doves. Right. Yeah. You know, I thought that same thing. Yeah, I, the, you know, I didn't even I didn't make the uh, I didn't make the uh, connection that uh, that even in like uh, face off there was when when like Travolta's walking through that church or whatever at the end, mm-hmm. all the doves are flying away and <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, and and that's something. Well, shit, I don't think John Woo's done a movie without doves, right? So, but yeah, John John Woo apparently was influenced a little bit by this movie. Uh, uh-huh. Two other notable directors, Jess Franco. Yeah. Uh, 1964, he did, um, I'm trying to, I guess the first of the Dr. Orloff movies. I don't remember, is the horrible Dr. Orloff of the terrible the, Dr. The Orloff. Gritos en la noche. Right. In the, I forget what the American title was. It was something Dr. Orloff, Dr. and there Orloff. was like five or six of them. Heard. And I've heard, I've seen so many movies where the character's name is Orloff, I can't even keep him straight anymore. <laughs> but it but the plot of the first Orloff movie was uh, him trying to reconstruct his daughter's face. Right. And then in 19, I want to say 87, uh, Just Franco did a direct remake of uh, Eyes Without a Face called Faceless. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I believe is available. You can get it on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. So, just Franco, he's he's a big uh, fan of this. And John Carpenter also points to uh, the mask that uh, Christiane wore as as kind of the inspiration, that featureless kind of mm-hmm. emotionless face for right for Michael Myers. And when Christiane towards the end, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of when she finally commits a murder. Right. And she has that kind of look on her face where, you know, that same kind of head tilted, you know, like just like kind almost of, an innocent did this, you know? Yeah, exactly. And Not it reminded exactly me exactly what she did or I don't know. I don't know. But I hear I totally I could totally see what you're saying. Yeah, because there's that one scene that, you know, that takes place in Halloween in the kitchen where uh, Michael Myers pins the guy to the wall. And then just kind of stands back and looks at him. And I mean that so much, those two scenes are so fucking similar that there has, I mean, I can see where, uh, you know, John Carpenter got his inspiration. Very interesting. I can totally see that. But yeah. And this, this was a movie that wasn't released uncut in the United States until 2003. 
if you can believe I'm that. Glad, I'm glad we started classics after 2003, so I could get the whole the whole version of this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you were you were talking about how this had problems because it was so disturbing. Um, the thing is, is in my opinion, this was pretty disturbing, but I think it was thematically disturbing, and you know, instead of you know what folks would call disturbing now you know maybe what what we were saying with uh you know the japanese films you were mentioning <laughs> and whatnot but but all, all i'm saying is is that to to there was always a feeling of unease as i was watching this and and like i all i can think about is a dad who loves his daughter but who is you know ends up using her as a you know, as a test subject and, you know, what he does. I don't know. Uh, this one got to me a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very moving picture. I mean, it's, it's really, it, it's horrific, but at the same time, it is very tragic. You know what you forgot to mention? What's that? Billy Idol song. Eyes with the Billy Idol song. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Actually, actually it did. Uh, if you listen really? to the background, uh, the female background singer is singing the uh, title in French. You know, oh, really? Leu sans visage or whatever. Visage. They said the word visage a visage. lot. Yes, it was great. <laughs> and uh, according to Billy Idol, the song a he had seen the movie and. It was about the emotional disconnect between two people. The father-daughter relationship kind of transported it, uh, transposed to a, a you know, man and woman. Interesting. Yes. Man, that guy's deep. Right. Right, hey, mate. <laughs> Dancing with myself. <laughs> oh, He's talking oh, about great. whacking it, by the way. Oh, duh. 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 <laughs> That's the most intimate love of his life what himself Lefty. yep anyway <laughs> have you seen no. him have you seen him recently no um, i mean I, he, well I he's saw... like pu- he's like pushing 60 yeah, but he's okay. he's been doing like the whole tom savini you know you know 80 year old fucking bulging muscles and shit oh really yeah he's fucking ripped like a son of a bitch man really yeah he he could kick our asses oh cool you know what? I send out a challenge to him. I'd like to see him do it. Yeah. So if you're listening, Billy, um, yep. you know, if you can stop biting balls off, you crazy Brit. <laughs> you know what? I will Michael, take you on. Brit because what if you punch a Brit, like right in the stomach or the solar plexus, and then that ball comes flying out? It's liable to hit you. I'm yeah. not doing that. Yeah. That's not even a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. You, you, you got to go from behind, hit the kidneys. Uh, do the Heimlich on them before you. That sounds very erotic, actually. Yeah, do, maybe do the Heimlich before you fucking kick their asses. That's the way you yeah. got to take on the Brits. All right, that's a hot size without a face. You know, I final final thoughts on this. I I love this movie. I mean, in there, I mean, and I typically like the classic movies we do, but this one, I think it had, I had a, it it made it, it hit me on a level that very few films do. So, I mean, take that for what it will. It's hard for me to describe exactly what it was. But then again, I'm emotionally stunned and I have a hard time expressing my feelings anyhow. Yes, you are. And uh, I feel sorry for you and those around you. But no, No. I mean, this is a beautifully shot film, extremely well acted. uh, And the story is just fucking magnificent. I mean, everything about it is fucking, fucking great. Like it's just I had sympathy for the character of Chris. Oh, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) 
that's that's all I'll say before I before I get all girly. Yeah, just teasing. Anyway, uh, is that all you got for this one? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with Haxon. Howdy, everyone. This is Matt from DeadLantern.com's world-famous Splattercast. Now, when Jeff, DJ, Steve, and myself aren't discussing how Eisenstein's theory of dialectical montage provides a provocative counterbalance to the objective reality of Bazan's mise-en-scene in regards to George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, we're making horror movies. Our latest film is called Outpost Doom, and it's available right now for the low price of $10, including free shipping. Outpost Doom is a story of two escaped prisoners who find shelter inside an old barn while being hunted by a giant tentacled monster. Once inside, they find a group of survivors who slowly realize that they are being hunted by something far more deadly than the monster outside. The film is a throwback to murder mysteries and horror films of the 30s and 40s. Imagine 12 little Indians with monsters. Eric from the Dark Hours podcast calls it, quote, Night of the Living Dead meets the Creeping Terror, unquote. So how do you get your hands on a glorious copy of this movie? Head on over to DeadLantern.com and order yours for the measly low price of 10 bucks, including that wonderful free shipping. DVD extras include deleted scenes, audio commentaries, and a documentary. Plus, you'll get a special handwritten note by none other than DJ himself. And if that doesn't entice you, consider this. Not only will you be helping to support indie filmmakers and a fellow podcast, but all proceeds go towards helping us make our newest film, Isabel, which is a gory slasher flick. So in effect, buying Outpost Doom makes you a de facto producer on our next film. How cool is that? Don't forget to visit DeadLantern.com to view a trailer for Outpost Doom and to purchase your very own copy. I thank you for your time, and we'll catch you on the Splattercast. All right, we're back. Uh, let's see. The, the last movie we're going to be talking about today is one called Haxon, or Haxon Witchcraft Through the Ages. Mm. Um, actually, the original version came out in 1922. It's a silent-era black-and-white film. Um it was directed by Benjamin Christensen, uh, who is a what is he a Swedish, I believe. Um, uh, actually, director. I think he's from Denmark. I could be wrong, but I think he's from Denmark, and the production company was he's, Swedish. A Swedish da- slash Danish silent film. How about that? Yeah. Let's see. But anyway, awesome. uh, this was actually based on the, the, he decided to make this movie based on some study that he did from um, from a a book called Malleus Maleficarum, which is a let's see a, a, here it says it's a famous treatise on witches written in 1486 by Heinrich Kramer, an inqu- inquisitor of the Catholic Church, and it was actually first published in Germany in 1487. Um, which is, uh, I mean, that that's pretty interesting that he, because basically what this movie is is almost a uh, documentary um, based on, you know, uh, like it says, witchcraft through the ages. I mean, uh, the movie is, is uh, you know, it's split up into a bunch of different parts. The first part is actually just a um, kind of, uh, of uh, ex- explains, okay, what witches are. Here are some of uh, the first depictions of witches in art, in, you know, a lot of the wood carvings, things like that. It talked about what people in the Middle Ages, how they saw, um, you know, the, the the earth, the heavens, and everything like that. And uh, I don't know, I guess, I, guess, uh, I guess this would be considered a documentary. What do you think? Um, yeah, at the at the time uh, he began production, which would have been, well, he he actually studied for two years on the on the subject. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking around 1919 is when he started work on this. 
And Mm -hmm. at at the time, there was no such thing as a documentary. You had kind of slice of life, uh, you know, kind of films where they would just film street scenes or maybe go out in the woods and film some animals. But the actual documentary didn't exist. And this one... It's it's more of a docudrama, you might say, because it it's got the reenactments rather than right. a, than an actual you know following a story from beginning to end it's as it unfolds. Like America's Most Wanted, which style? Yeah, uh, <laughs> not really, not really at all. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, basically, you know, just like you said, I mean, they they acted out a lot of dramatic scenes of what may have happened or whatever. But I mean, the whole time the the cue cards or whatever you call the the title cards were saying, and this is what happened a lot, and then it would show you what happens, and you know, uh, kind of a pretty interesting uh, uh, way to present the movie at any rate. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope I didn't cut you off. Oh no! By the way. Oh no! I mean, to make my funny joke. <laughs> no, go ahead and make your joke. Well, anyway, no, I no, I said to make my funny joke was the American uh, witch style. What, what America's most wanted witch style? Oh, but, yeah, okay. It was hilarious, <laughs> you know. But you know, during the very first scene. It was, uh, you know, we're looking at the pictures, we're looking at some of the art, and uh, this freaking art was really interesting. I mean, it was, uh, the the movie itself, obviously, since it was so old, and, you know, it was showing all these really wicked-looking, you know, pieces of art uh, depicting, oh, this is what, this is, you know, how, uh, which is, we're seeing, this is, you know, demon, this is how some of the demons were were said to look like and, and whatnot. Uh, my favorite thing in the, in, the, in the first section, though, was there was a, a large-scale model of something, and it was basically, uh, or some kind of mechanism that, that basically depicted hell. And it was, it was weird because it, it was all these little almost puppet-type things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you remember the part I'm talking about. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. And it depicted of all these different things that were going on in hell. And the artistry and the and the detail in some of these was unreal. Yeah, well, the, the first part of the movie is, well, the first and the last part are actually probably the weakest parts. The first part is just this, basically a lecture with woodcuts, you know, going all the way back to Persia saying, okay, this is what demons look like and this is how they progressed. And this was, uh-huh. you know, man's view of the universe with the earth at the center. And I mean, it, it's fascinating stuff, but at the, at the same well, time, I, lo- I love that part. Yeah. It, uh, I, I agree with you at the, on the, on the, on the end part was the weakest part, but I mean, I thought that some, that, that some of these, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they obviously they weren't presented in a dramatic fashion, but some of these scales, or uh, sorry, the models and stuff like that, were just—it's the type of thing that I would love to have in my in my room here in my den, just having it going on in the background to be freaking creepy. Oh yeah, yeah. That, and some that, of the art on the wall—I thought it was great. That'd be fucking cool. Come to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> Invite friends over. Just ha- try to have a casual conversation while that's like going on in the background. But but basically, the second part of the movie, we move on to, um, you know, a different, a bunch of different, uh, uh, what do you call those, like sections or vignettes that basically have people acting out, uh, you know, how some of these 
how, how, how witchcraft worked in the Middle Ages or whatever. Um, it, it was actually funny because uh, there was actually a lot of uh, of uh, actually having Satan in them, and Satan was actually played by the director Christensen himself. You know, and, and, and this guy was crazy. He had an awesome. Uh, costume and you know he's always he was just out there uh, you'd see him and he was flicking his tongue around like I guess like Satan does and uh, it showed him tempting a sleeping woman away from her husband uh, terrorizing a group of monks you know and uh, just doing uh, a bunch of funny stuff I mean in my in my opinion so in in in, in these parts here and it goes on to kind of a more um, you know, a more detailed, you know, multi-part thing. Oh, and actually I forgot to mention that there was one part where uh, the lady was, there was a lady that went to which to try to create a love potion for the fattest monk that I ever saw, but he was <laughs> awesome. But, uh, but anyway, uh, let me ask you something now. Okay. So I'm, I'm a, I'm in a rock and roll band. Okay. And I'm freaking trying to, you know, make a, a show and, and to have visuals and everything like this, I think a lot of the visuals from this movie would fit perfectly in the back of some kind of a of a heavy metal or whatever type of thing. I mean, did, I mean they had that kind of older feel to them, obviously, because I mean they are older. And I, I don't know, some of these visuals were just outstanding. Oh yeah, everything. I mean, the makeup work is outstanding. The effects work is absolutely incredible. I mean, absolutely. this is a movie that features everything. From stop motion animation to uh, they actually developed a kind of primitive optical printer so that they could do the uh, scenes of the witches flying through the city. Which that is one of the creepiest scenes taken, you know, just taken on its own. That was that was awesome. Yeah. And then you have all, you know, these weird fucking satanic orgies going on where they went outside and ripped up the fucking trees so that the roots would be showing. Um, it's just, I mean, every visually, this movie is fucking stunning. I love that. That was my favorite part. These just, just the visuals, even if they were to be taken out of context and, you know, taken out of just to, just to watch them was, was just, was outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. He is very much ahead of his time. And this is a movie that at the time, uh, uh, the average production would take about three weeks. Uh, this one took about, this one took about three months and was enormously expensive because he preferred to to shoot the subject matter at night because he felt that the cast would get more in the mood. So he had to pay overtime for fucking everybody. I mean, the budget was fucking outrageous for this thing. Well, dude, but, let's put it this way. But abs- you're going to go it absolutely there, you're effective. have satanic orgies, kiss the devil in the ass. You know what? You got to be in the mood. You know, he probably had to pay overtime for the ladies who had to kiss Satan in the butthole. I don't know. It's kind of, he's got kind of a tight Satan ass. I don't know. It's kind of sexy. <laughs> of course. But, but you, and, and, and you mentioned that uh, Christensen played the uh, devil. He also played the image of Christ later on in the movie. Oh, did he? Yes. And was, so That's that was great. kind of like a sly little joke on his part. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah, he, he's very bombastic as Satan. It's, it's oh, just, it. just a great performance. And that makeup is unbelievably realistic. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, if that's if that's what Satan looks like. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it didn't look like makeup, is what I'm saying. You oh, no, expected no, no, no. to no, in, I'm, in 22. I'm yeah, I totally yeah. agree with 
after the after these parts of, of the the film, it, it kind of goes on to a, a, a the the original 1922 film kind of breaks it up into um, the next part into you know two or three sections. However, it's just basically the it, it kind of depicts how the witch hunt and how you know how it works from start to finish. You know, we have a uh, a woman that uh, is has a, a sick and ailing husband who, who is dying and, and basically just uh, needs, I guess, to try to find some kind of an excuse. They, they assume that there's been a, a bewitching to, to happen to her husband. So, and uh, I, I can't remember exactly how it happens, but somebody tells her it's somebody that's close to you. That's, you know, that that's put the spell on him. And she accuses this, I guess this beggar or uh, they, I can't remember exactly what they call her. Yeah, it was, it was just some poor, unfortunate woman who was down on her luck, and right, and they accuse her of being the witch because uh, her eyes look funny. Well, and she's ugly. Yeah, and and that and that's what they even mention in, in part of the movie that uh, if you're if you're a, a very ugly woman, that uh, it was dangerous to be that way because you know people are going to assume you're a witch. But um, hell, I'm still accused of being a witch sometimes. Yeah, but you know what they also said is that being beautiful wasn't so good either because you could be accused of being a witch. So I think that's where you fit in, Stephen. Oh, aren't you sweet? <laughs> anyway, so, you know, it's so weird because because it was just the, the, the this woman was, oh, my gosh. And a lot of these people in this film were just so, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but they were just so real and ugly looking. You know, and, and they were, it was disgusting to watch the, I mentioned the, the friar eat earlier and uh, it was, you know, and, and watching this, the, you know, she, this, this beggar comes to this woman's house and she gives him a, gives her a bowl of soup and that was disgusting. Oh yeah. But watching anyway, her eat so, was yeah very <laughs> off putting. Oh, it was gross. But as she's eating the, the, the lady who let her in goes and gets the authorities and says, Oh, by the way, this, this woman's a witch. And they're like, okay, well you realize that if you sign, you know, they made her sign some papers and say, by the way, you realize that if you do this, you're endangering this woman's life. And she's like, yeah, I know she's a witch. She turned me into a newt. A newt. Got better. So and signed and whatever. And, and they come and, 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 and these guys come and they, and they throw a, like a blanket over her head and throw her into this like little cage on wheels to, to take her and, and start doing, you know, of course the witch, the trials and whatnot. And then it starts talking about what's going on with, you know, what some of the trials were, how good cop, bad cop was employed, you know, in order to, to get a witch to confess and uh, just kind of how they treated him and, you know, how the religious authorities were, you know, in the time or, you know, what he was trying to, uh, or how he uh, saw them as doing anyhow. Um, but anyways, it turns out that, that this woman was getting tortured so bad that basically she said, yeah, I'm a witch. I did, you know, I had crazy orgies and I had, uh, you know, uh, 27 Satanist kids and it showed, you know, a little... Yeah, a little part where this lady was giving birth to like these little demons, which was all which was all really great. Um, and she ends up saying, "Oh, guess who else is a witch? Everybody who accused me." <laughs> you know, so, so of course, uh, these guys go back and get the whole family and whatever. It, you know, in in you know, it's to me, it's hard to really think that that's as easy as it was. But I think you know what for for this story and whatever, and, and I don't know. I'm not saying it wasn't for sure or whatever. But man, that, if that's how it was, everybody was screwed basically. 
like anybody and everybody. And uh, I guess we talked about uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, I can't remember Vin when Vincent Price played Matthew something or other. Oh yeah, when we talked about the Witchfinder General. Witchfinder General, yeah. So I mean, you know, it, it kind of it kind of had the same t along the same lines and whatnot. So you know, I found it really interesting. Again, the visuals in this, you know, so, you know, they when they were especially when the old woman was describing what she'd done and 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 why she and all the satanic things that she'd been a part of. I mean, those those little, you know flashback scenes or whatever were were, un, were were unbelievably good in my opinion you know and that's this is basically what in my opinion what this what the, this movie excelled at was the visuals i mean sure they can tell the story and the first part was informative i guess but i think that this director created these 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 i don't know in my opinion like kind of these standalone pieces of cinematic art you know that that almost somehow, if you could, you, there would be something that I would like to display on the wall, like a poster or something like that, or, or excuse me, like a fine piece of art. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and and Christensen's you know intention was to show that this relatively new thing film could not only be art but be informative and educational and entertaining. But uh, but uh, his his main focus was was on the art, right? And engaging the audience in in the most uh, I guess gripping way possible, so that the the point he was trying to make would actually get through to people. Uh, he did a great job. No, oh, absolutely, and you know, like we said, the the end is kind of weak. Where what basically what he have is a juxtaposition of. A woman suffering from hysteria compared to the, I guess, some of the symptoms that were displayed of the witchcraft hysteria. Right. And how similar they were. Right. And and that's, I don't think there's enough of this to kind of balance everything out. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he makes his point, but it, it just doesn't feel completely right. I'm not sitting here saying, I'm not making a statement about what he's trying to say, but I think it was just kind of at the end of all of this great you know, kind of fantastic, fantastical visuals, you know, to kind of, kind of throw that in at the end. It was, I don't know, kind of a letdown. But, I mean, having said that, honestly, if I were to watch this movie again, it would probably, I would probably quit before the last part. Just because, I mean, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. and But it doesn't really offer anything nearly as good as is uh, the first couple of parts you know, yeah. first couple of sections yeah and Christensen himself said he was disappointed with the way part seven of this came out you so, know it's funny because uh you say it's part seven in uh in uh by the way this film is is free to download and watch on archive.org in fact that's where i watched it today when i was at lunchtime at work uh if you just go to archive.org and search hacks and it'll, it'll be the first link but uh there's also a version of uh of this on the Criterion's copy DVD, which was uh, kind of a 1968 version of it, where basically all they did is instead of – they did a mixture of, of narration and title cards, and they added a weird kind of jazzy um, – uh, soundtrack, whereas you know the the original had kind of a uh, symphonic or even like a piano bass. Like I think it had Moonlight Sonata at one point, you know, and, and some other recognizable pieces of, of uh, music. 
but uh, you know, I don't. I mean, I I, I don't really know. It, I guess if you have an aversion to to watching the 1922 version in its in its pure form, this I mean, I this had a little bit of narration stuff like that. But in my opinion, I I really enjoyed the purity of the original, where you know it just still kind of seemed foreign and crazy, as opposed to hi hey, we're trying to make this you know easier to digest for the you know the the you know the public well it, but having said that i mean it still had all the same visuals and stuff like that and you know just kind of repackaged but i don't know yeah I, and i, I think would, that version is about 20 minutes shorter that. as well isn't it it, it is yeah and they got of all people and they and they got william s burroughs to do the uh narration and i, I think this the this thing behind the 68 re-release was, I mean, it was trying to package it for kind of like the hippie culture was sure. m- my opinion of it. That, or maybe it was just trying to say, Hey, this is a public domain movie. Let's make uh, a buck. Let's get William S. Burroughs to do it. Let's sell the shit out of it. All mm-hmm. the hard work's been done. Yeah. That's, that's a possibility kind of too. Right, that's kind of my, how I felt about it, but yeah, but it didn't it, really add anything. No, I <laughs> No, I mean, I, I only got about 10 minutes into it, and I was like, yeah, I've, I really don't see the point because I've seen the original, you know, three or four times. And I, I watch it for the visuals. I mean, once I, once I saw it the first time, yeah, the story, okay, yeah, that's interesting. But, you know, I own a copy of the Malleus Maleficarum, you know. Oh, you do? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm nice. Kind of like into Dude, supernatural that's shit. territory. Yeah. Spooky shit, man. I'm going to open up a gate to hell in the backyard. That's freaking the, awesome. Throw the kids out when they're not fucking behaving. You know, the problem is, is you know what happened? I wouldn't save it for when the kids were misbehaving. I'd be like, ah, oh, shit, can't find a babysitter. Really need to go see the newest, you know, uh, remake. So I'd throw them in. Or, or yeah, summon Satan. He, I hear he works cheap as a babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, they come back spitting fire and whatnot, but that seems worth it. Yeah, really. Have you tried to find a reliable babysitter? I mean, it's not easy. Satan's been around forever. Yeah, and he loves and he loves children. Sure, loves to eat them. Oh yeah, and and that's another great scene when they've got the uh, baby and the like grease dripping, drip grease and blood dripping off the cooked baby. I mean, there Throw them in the pot. Yeah, there there are some really brutal scenes in this movie, but what's funny is the, the scenes that got the most complaints. And again, you know, going back to what we talked about with uh, Peeping Tom and mm-hmm. uh, and the Hedy Lamar movie, the, there's so much use of close ups in this movie, and that's what upset a lot of the people in in the Swedish reviewers. Really? Was because, you know, that close up of the old woman's face, one reviewer complained about how disgusting she was. Yeah, it you know, was gross. And, yeah, and, you know, to see, uh, if you can imagine it on an even bigger screen, uh, 20 foot tall or something, you know, this yeah, giant I, I head. Watched it, I watched it about uh, uh, three inches in uh, across. Yeah. No. I was watching it at work. But you know, just the, the use of close-ups in this, and one of the, the one of the scenes that was that was cut out was uh, when they show a close-up of the woman's face while she's hanging. You know, hang, she's just hanging there, 
and she's got a little bit of blood on her face, but it uh-huh. it's not that gruesome, but it's the close up of the face that had of the tortured woman that really, really upset the censors. Not the <laughs> fact that they've got a woman hanging there. They left that in, but the close up <laughs> of her face. And again, you know, it goes back to, you know, what we've talked about before, what can be expressed on the face and especially projected 20 feet high. Uh, really can be as disturbing as, you know, any amount of blood and gore you can throw at the screen. Sure. The thing is, is, I mean, there were, uh, I can see where potentially people would have some issues. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I found some, some of these, I mean, not like shocking or anything, but I mean, it really got my attention to how, I guess, walking the line they were doing. Like, I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, you know, there wasn't any real nudity, well, I mean, there's like back nudity. You didn't see, uh, you know, boobs or anything like that. Yeah, you, really. get, you get a little side tell. boob, but that's about it. But I mean, you had uh, you had people who were kissing the devils right in the butt. You had uh, you know these these crazy orgies where it didn't show anything. It still had these naked women coming up to these demons and whatnot. You know, and uh, you know to see it in this kind of a of a 1920s, you know. I mean, I think this is probably the oldest movie that we've done so far on the on the classics, you know. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, it goes a wolf. But like I said, this is probably one of the most visually stunning movies and in, in visually interesting movies that that I've watched. You know, regardless of uh, of uh, you know when the movie came out. Yeah, the Lodger was twenty seven. So yeah, oh, this okay. so this would be the oldest movie we've done. And I mean, just everything about this I mean the visuals in this are so fucking groundbreaking. They are and they're and even even to this day, they're they're really captivating. Yeah, because the first the first time I saw this and when you get the little stop motion demon breaking down the door. You mean the uh the, the goat with big tits? Yeah, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I was just absolutely stunned when I mean it's only a little ten second scene. Right. I was absolutely stunned that they pulled it off. Yep. And I mean the links that Christensen went to, for instance, the, the scene we were talking about with the uh, the flying scene. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, the the witches. Yeah, he had one of his uh, cameramen go to Norway for an entire month doing nothing but filming the sky to use as a backdrop. Really. And then to get the city passing by, what he did, uh, first he tried shooting from a moving train, but there was all telephone poles and shit in the way. Oh, yeah. So what they did was build this miniature city, like two meters high, the buildings were, on a rotating platform that took 20 men to turn this thing. Really? And so that's how they got the shot of this you know city passing by beneath them. And then 75 fucking different shots of witches, each shot individually. And then invented and then invented an optical printer that could put it all together because optical printers weren't around yet. Ah. Oh, that's that's another thing I, I forgot about. Um, the guy that invented the special effects technique, the uh, Shuftan process that we uh, talked about where you have part mirror, part exposed glass. Um, that guy was actually the cinematographer for Eyes Without a Face. Really? Yeah, the guy that created... Uh, cool. Yeah, Shuftan was the uh, cinematographer for that. Oh, cool. So that accounts for fucking... Another reason why it looks so fucking brilliant. I mean, just every fucking kind of special effects trick you could think of is used in this movie. Oh, yeah. And it, for, for very, very fucking effective. Yeah. Well... 
like I said, man, if I ever start up a band and I need something to play in the background that will set the creepy mood, this is going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'd be perfect for that. People, you know, people wouldn't even have to know what's going on in the movie. They'll just, they'll just see the the freaky visuals. But yeah, the visual, yeah, the visuals are fucking groundbreaking. That's all there is yeah. to it. So if for no other reason, watch it be- because it looks fucking cool as shit. Yep. Absolutely. No, I I really enjoyed this this Hexen two. We picked two. Well, you picked two freaking awesome movies for this. You picked these ones. But uh, so I got to hand it to you, man. These were awesome. No, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed them both. Good flicks. But uh, anyway, well, cool. You got anything else for Haxon? Um, no, I think we pretty much uh, covered it all. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the best thing is, you guys, you can get it right now, archive.org, go download it. It's all public domain. And I, I watched the public domain version, and the quality isn't the best. Uh, Criterion cleaned it up immensely. So, I mean, if you can get your hands on that, it's, I would say do that. Oh However, yeah. The criterion I mean, version looks amazing. It's, it, I mean, it was, it was unreal. I mean, it, it, there were a lot of, you know how like nowadays you have people trying to do black and white, but you can tell they're kind of trying to do it black and white that it wasn't mm-hmm. actually black and white <laughs> at a couple points. It looked like that a little bit, but, uh, but anyway, well, you know, there, it, and, and a lot of it is color tinted as well. Yep. Yep. But, um, yeah, there there was one more thing I do did want to bring up about this. Okay. Uh, this movie was uh, re released in 1941 uh, with Christensen. Oh. He when during the re release he was he uh, recorded like a little five minute intro. Oh yeah, that you also get on the Criterion edition. That is really pretty interesting to get to see him. You know, talking about his own film and you know what his intentions were. But given the you know 1941. Uh, the re-release um, became a metaphor for the persecution of the Jews, you know, during World War II in Germany. Kind of interesting that this, uh, you know, Arthur Miller did, you know, the Crucible, which was, uh, you know, talking, you know, it was the witch trials as right. uh, uh, the McCarthy hearing. Even though this movie was made, you know, before the Nazis be- came into power and before World War II. You know, the fact that it was still relevant in 1941, so much so that people were like, oh, well, that's what his intention was, when actually it wasn't. This shit just keeps happening again and again. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you could even liken that to, to uh, you know, what's going on now with the, you know, in the political world with all the quote-unquote witch hunts that go on and, and all this, you know, whatever. But no, I, yeah. I don't want to get into that. But I'll tell you, freaking great movie. Loved it. Can't. Can't say enough about it. Yeah. Go snag it. Yeah, no excuse. Right, it's free, bitches. That's right. Can't get better <clears throat> than free. Well, you can. But it's illegal. Anyhow. Uh, all right. Hey, Steven. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, sir. All right. We'll catch you guys later.
Bye. 